So, real quick though, I have to tell you, while I was doing my research, <laughs> I discovered the most terrifying thing ever. Okay. There is an ant that is called the blood-sucking ant. That's terrifying. I Luckily, I read it because they don't suck human blood. They suck each other's blood. So, the, mo- the, like, the queen ant will, like, have a baby ant of sorts, like a little larva, and then as a group, they basically bite the baby ant and suck its, what ant's blood is. <laughs> but the baby ant doesn't die. They're, like, trained on how to do this so they don't kill their things. So they're, it's creepy and it's weird and I didn't like they're it. Called, blood they're sucking called blood ants. ants. Blood sucking ants. Why aren't they and just they called vampire creepy. ants? Right? <laughs> terrifying that is terrifying yes for listeners who don't know jayla's phobia is aquariums and fish nicole's phobia is ants i'm I'm sorry hello animal lovers welcome to the animal facts podcast i'm nicole and i'm jayla we just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals just animal enthusiasts We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they can do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. Enjoy! Enjoy! Okie dokie. Well, then, let's begin. <laughs> let's get started. <laughs> Welcome to Animal Facts. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. This week we're doing things a little bit differently. Instead of divvying up the information, we took turns and each just did one animal each. I get to share my animal that I researched this week. Personal question first. The personal question chosen for this week is, what was our first pet? Jayla, what was your first pet? <laughs> my first pet was a goldfish. It was a pet between me and my brothers, and I killed them all. Oh, no! How many goldfish did you have? Uh, I killed four, and then the fifth one oh. got sucked up into the little filter. Uh, oh no! I killed four. It was, it was entirely on accident though. I was in charge of cleaning the tank. Yeah. I grabbed a sponge from underneath the sink. It happened to be <laughs> our cleaning sponge for our bathrooms, and it had bleach on oh, it. No. It was our bleach sponge. Oh. Cleaned oh, the no. tank, put all the fish back, and then they started dying off one by one. And then the last oh. fish decided, I can't take this anymore, and went <laughs> right up the filter. Didn't come out. And we never had goldfish again. (laughs) That's so funny and so sad. Oh, boy. This is why I don't have fish. This is why I don't (laughs) like fish. Maybe. Maybe that's what stemmed it. (laughs) Oh, boy. They're gonna come back at you (laughs) for murdering their friends with a Bleach sponge. Fish ghosts. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, do you think fish ghosts still hang out in the ocean, or do you think they just swim around <laughs> in the sky? I would want to say that their ocean just gets bigger, and they swim around <laughs> in the sky. That's fair. Anyways, what do you guys think fish ghosts do? Where do fish go when they die? <laughs> Anyways, what was... To the farm. (laughs) To the ocean. (laughs) It's big enough. (laughs) My first pet was a leopard gecko lizard. I got him uh, for my birthday. Um, Yeah, and I had him for like 10 years until he was getting really old. And I didn't want to watch him slowly die, so I gave him back to the pet store. (laughs) You they gave took him, him away. 
I gave him to the pet store where they could give him the right care. Because <laughs> I didn't want to watch him just slowly die. <laughs> so instead of, here's my lizard. But I had him for a really long time. He, uh, was he so leopard geckos have like black spots and then they have pink and yellow stripes um and then in between his eyes he had a light blue stripe nice he was pretty cool and they have like really fat tails huh i was in the fourth grade i think when i got him but yeah Mm. that's my first pet my leopard gecko Nice. <laughs> and then I had fish after that. Did you kill them? But, uh, not intentionally. <laughs> Neither did I. They they survived for a while. I didn't clean their tank with a bleach sponge. <laughs> I didn't know it was our bleach bleach sponge. It's not my fault. Oh, I guess my very first pet, if I think back, it was actually a beta fish named Tropical. And I had that fish for a long time, and then my mom accidentally killed him. I had him for a few years, um, but she, uh, we had, we, like, my parents bug bomb our house every few months, like, every six months, because we had dogs, so fleas and things, and she forgot to move his tank outside, so the poison stuff settled on top of the water, and when he went up to eat food, he ended up ingesting the poison and died. <laughs> Oh no. So my mom killed my fish. Uh, so I really don't remember which I got first, the lizard or the fish. Oh, but there you go. <laughs> Alright. Are you ready for this I'm week's ready. animal? If it's considered an animal. I think it is. It's still in like the animalia gen like category. Trivia time. Well it's too late now. What, uh, okay, so what animal is considered one of the most social species on Earth? Question number two. What animal has more than 250 species? Whoa. And then the last one. What animal has the vast majority of them die every year? Drumroll. The common bumblebee. What? Buzz, buzz. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, the bumblebee has more than 250 species. Um, so, I'm going to just be kind of talking about the common general bumblebee. And then a few things I'll specify. Like, some species are this, but some species do this. So, yeah. And... Honeybees and bumblebees are different, and I'll talk about their difference a little bit later. But the bumblebee's uh, genus name, their scientific name, is the bombus, which is Latin, meaning buzzing, humming, or booming. It's not about their bum. (laughs) I mean, maybe their bums are booming. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So females are called queens, monarchs, young queens, or worker bees, while the males are called drones, Hmm. and then as a group, they're known as a colony. Nice. And then I'm sure you and our listeners, for the most part, know what a bumblebee looks like, but here's a cute little description of them anyways. So they are small, round, plump fuzzballs. (laughs) Uh, They're usually bright colors. Majority of the time they're yellow and black, but sometimes they have orange or red as well. Um, And white. They are covered in little hairs. They have four wings. Their bright colors serve as a warning to predators of their danger. They are about a half inch to to one inch long, which is about the size of a dime. Hmm. Um, Then the largest species is found in... Chili, measuring 1.6 inches long. It's pretty big. That is pretty big. Yeah. But then there are some species that are as small as houseflies. They can weigh from... I think they're so 
tiny. They can weigh from 0.04 grams to 0.60 grams, and large queens can weigh up to 0.85 grams. Wow. So a comparison, things that weigh one gram, and bees don't even weigh up to one gram. Remember, like, a large queen weighs 0.85 grams. So things that weigh one gram is a common paper clip, or a thumbtack, or the cap to a ballpoint pen, or a U.S. currency bill. Hmm. So bees weigh lighter than a paper clip. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. So most species contain a pollen basket, which is located on their hind legs, and it's made up of bare skin, and it's surrounded by all these like tiny little hairs, and that's to transport pollen around which they're capable of carrying a significant amount of pollen. They can carry up to their own body weight in just pollen, hmm. which is crazy. Can you imagine carrying around your body weight in pollen? That'd be a lot of pollen. Yeah. I don't even and know what just... I would do with it all. <laughs> and they just fly around with that. Like, what? So crazy. They're stingers. So... True or false? All bumblebees have stingers. False. Correct. Only females have stingers. Oh. So the boys don't get any. No males have stingers. That's a real stinger. Um. <laughs> oh, no. This is the episode with all of your bee puns, isn't it? <laughs> you better believe it. Oh, no. Okay, true or false, bumblebees die after stinging someone or something. True. False. Oh. (laughs) Their stingers don't detach after stinging, so they can sting a target multiple times. Honeybees, however, will die because their stingers will detach from their abdomen after stinging someone or something. Hmm. Bumblebees can sting a target multiple times and be a-okay and not be affected by it at all that's scary um a little bit but they're actually really gentle so they don't sting unless they're threatened or if they feel their colony is in danger so if they're just out on their routine gathering pollen and eating nectar they're not gonna bother you as long as you're not trying to kill them or if they like or if you're starting to attack their hive and their home then they will attack you you but other than that like if Pooh bear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you if you ignore them and like just carry on with your normal routine, they're going to carry on with their own routine. They're not even going to be bothered by you. So they're really gentle and they don't really attack unless they're attacked. Hmm. So their closest relative, because they're the bombus genus, uh, they are closely related to honeybees. And they're believed to have evolved from wasps millions of years ago. Honeybees are from the Apis genus. So they're from the same family, but their scientific name is, like, species is different. Hmm. So they're closely related, but they're different. Okay. Thought you were going to say they were closely related to, like, an eagle or something. Like, (laughs) whoa. (laughs) That would have been wild. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) um so their history they believe that they evolved from the wasps about 25 to 40 million years ago but bees have been around for 130 million years so like before they became to like exactly what we know them as evolution yeah the scientists their best guess is that they were first found in the mountains of Central Asia, and then they migrated and spread into North America, and then slowly spread southward. And they have been able to find some fossils, mostly things that have been, like, encased in amber oh. and stuff. Um, so not like, not like dinosaur fossils of bees. Bee fossil bones? Yeah, it's really hard for them to find, like, those fossils but they have had some success in evidence pointing their history 
to millions and millions of years ago. Which is just crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, so their conservation efforts is that some be like their information on it from the what is it? I C U N I N C U. Um I N C U I never can I- remember. Let me tell you about the I N C U What is it called? People who are in charge of making all those endangered lists. I have it written down somewhere. The I-U-C-N. Yeah. That is what it is. I-N-C-U is a clothing company (laughs) from Australia. Well, there you go. Clothing company from Australia. (laughs) All right. So the I-U-C-N, the International Union of Conservation of Nature, they list bumblebees as vulnerable or near-threatened. But a few of the species are, like, critically endangered or extinct. Because there is a vast, like, a large amount of species of them, um, some of them are extinct while other ones are just near-threatened. But since the 20th century, it is estimated that the bumblebee population has dropped about 50% in some regions of the world. And scientists really can't figure out why. So they don't really know exactly what is causing their numbers to drop significantly, but they do know that some are critically endangered and they don't really know how or the best way to help. So I'll talk about their best guesses a little bit more later on. So some of the critically endangered ones, the two species I could find about it was the cuckoo bumblebee, which I'll talk more about those ones later, and the rusty patched species which I will not be talking about later. (laughs) But they have a cute name, Rusty Patched. Are they rusty fires? (laughs) They whoop around? I think they just got some rusty patchwork going on. Whoop around. (laughs) Okay, do you know what the bumblebee eats? Bumbles of pollen? (laughs) Bumbles of pollen? pollen what is a bumble i don't know why else would it be called a bumblebee (laughs) because that's the name for what they sound like they're doing oh (laughs) buzzing i actually have a fun little fact about how they got their name not like the bombas part but a different part which i can talk more about that later too Um, so they eat nectar and pollen, so they eat nectar for energy, and then they eat pollen for protein, which I think is so crazy that they eat both of those things for different reasons. And so they search for their food by color and using the presence of electric fields, which their vision isn't actually all that great. They can't see, what is it? Yeah, so they struggle with red but they can see blue, greens, and purples really well, and they can see an ultraviolet. So that helps them to find food. Because if you look at pictures of, like, what we see versus, like, what a bumblebee can see, like, the flowers look different. It's kind of cool. So, yeah. And then they have a tongue-like thing, which is called a probiscuit? Probosic? Probosicus? I don't know. P-R-O-B-O-S-C-I-S. Proboscis? They have a tongue-like thing. (laughs) It's a probe. Which, uh, (laughs) pretty much, it's a tongue probe. Ew. Ew. (laughs) Um, Which has been adapted to be able to lap up nectar depending on the species. Their tongue-like thing is gross. We need to not, like, we always do that, but we need to remember that. It probably sounds so gross. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Every time you say lapping up, that's what I think of. I have to share that to you. So gross. <laughs> Anyways, what did it lap up? <laughs> I just have that sound stuck in my head now. Sorry. <laughs> um, they lap up nectar 
depending on the species, though, it, their um, tongue thing is different sizes, and each species tends to be specialized for specific flowers. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, they yeah, so they don't all eat just whatever flowers. They all are specific to different flowers, and so their little tongue is equipped for different flowers. That's cool. Their little proby tongue. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes they will travel like over a mile just to find the right flower, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's a long distance for a little bumblebee. It is, because they're so tiny. Mm-hmm. Anyways, once there is no more nectar, the bee will leave a scent on the flower for other bees to know that it's empty. So that's pretty cool. That's so smart. Yeah. So bees don't come and be like, oh man, the food's gone. They like get there and they're like, oh, someone's already drained this flower and they move on to the next one. Look at them being very courteous. Sustainable. Mm-hmm. Efficient. Yes. Super nice. Super considerate. They're so nice to their fellow bees. It's a good community to be a part of. Ha, to be a part of. As long as you behave. Oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, once a new source is discovered, they will tell their whole colony, so that way the whole colony can partake of all the food. So they don't just keep it to themselves. They tell their whole colony, and they're like, I found a new field of flowers. And then they all go get more food. And then this was a really cool thing that I found, So, which is a somewhat recent discovery. When the pollen supply is low, they will bite tiny half-moon-shaped holes in the leaves of flowering plants, which will cause the plants to bloom weeks of, ahead of schedule, so like two to four weeks before they would normally bloom. And then scientists have tried to recreate this effect using razors and forceps and like following their biting patterns. Um, which they were minorly successful, but the bees were still far more successful because the ones that the bees bit bloomed 8 to 25 days sooner than the ones the scientists tried to mimic. That's pretty and cool. Yeah, so like, if they're like, our pollen supply is too low, we need more food, they'll just go around, bite all these plants, and make them bloom so much faster, so that way they don't starve. And the flowers are like, this pollen is for the bees, not for the scientists. Get your own. <laughs> Seriously. Flowers are like, uh-uh. I know the difference between razors and bees. But yeah, it's pretty cool that they can do that. They don't really know how, like, what the bees do. Like, if there's, like, a special chemical they give up when they bite, like, in their saliva or what. They're not really sure or if it's, like the shape that they're biting but they're like these little half moon shapes so they're not really they're trying to figure it out still and see if they can replicate it more successfully because then if they can then maybe we can all have whatever flowers we want early who knows and then they don't even eat the leaves they just bite them so they're not even biting leaves to just munch on leaves to fill their stomachs they're just biting them they can store nectar and pollen in wax-like cells, but they don't really store a whole lot because they usually just eat it, or the queen eats most of it, um, and they feed it to the young. So they don't store a lot, but they have stored, like, they will store some of it. Bees are pretty cool so far. Yeah! Okay. Um. So they're threats and predators. Their biggest threat what they believe is, like, the bigger contributor to why the population is dropping is from climate change and human activity. And then also they think pesticides might be a part of it. So if, like, there's pesticides on the plants that the bees are getting food from, that they might not be the best for the bees. Boo. Boo. Um, so they're... Main predators, though, like what eats them, are bats, frogs, skunks, which I thought was interesting, birds, wasps, spiders, and sometimes house flies. 
which hmm. is weird. And then that's those those animals will eat them like individual bees as they see them out and about. But a badger will find an entire colony and like just take it out within a manner of like a manner of minutes. It's just finds their hive, destroys it, eats them all, moves on. That badger does not care. Nope. Honey badger don't care. <laughs> so that that also happens, which is kind of sad. I feel like before I studied, like, learned so much about the bumblebee, I would have been like, meh. But since I learned so much about them, like, oh, but I like the bumblebee. Save so the bees. Cool. Seriously. Be cool. Save the about. bees. <laughs> That's our slogan forever now. Be cool. Save the bees. <laughs> I love it. T-shirt coming soon. <laughs> Buzz. Okay. <laughs> the environment. They are mostly found in the northern hemisphere. They're not super close to the equator because they get warm. So they're mostly found in North and South America, Asia, Europe, the northern part of Africa. Um, but you won't find them in the Middle East, India, Australia, the Sub-Saharan Africa, or in Antarctica. They're, like, really hard and rare to find in those places. Which makes me wonder what, because they're so important to our ecosystem and pollination, like, what pollinates those crops in those countries and places, you know? Mm. Probably other bugs pollinators like butterflies and different insects and animals but from what i was researching like bees are a huge component and do like way more than most of those other animals and insects so i'm curious what their version of the bee is you know probably deadly in some of those places anyways <laughs> thinking of you australia it's a good guess with your deadly bumblebee <laughs> They can withstand many climates and geographical regions. They mostly prefer cooler climates and higher altitude ranges. They mostly like, and you can find them easiest in quiet forests and pastures, where there's less human contact. But lots of flowers. And lots of flowers, exactly. They produce a waxy substance to build their nest and to protect their eggs, and they can build nests almost anywhere. They can use other animals' abandoned nests. They can use old furniture. They'll sometimes build on old, on like buildings. They will sometimes build their hives below ground. They usually prefer to be close to the ground or on and below the ground. Um, they need their hive to stay relatively cool and to get very little direct sunlight. Which, if you think about it, makes sense because if it's wax, the sun would probably melt it. I really don't know, though, because I'm sure, not sure what sure. kind of, like, there's beeswax products you can buy, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that much about beeswax. Do you? Well, I don't, but maybe we don't know that much because we have to mind our own beeswax. <laughs> <laughs> no! I want you to know that I did not come into this podcast prepared with all these puns. No, she only knew I was doing the bumblebee. That's all she knew. And she had her own animal to research, so she wasn't, like, looking up puns. But she's having a grand old time thinking of them. Oh, man. I'm learning. Don't worry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> their behavior. <laughs> behavior. That was a good one. <laughs> so, most species of bumblebee are very social. Uh, and they con congregate in a large colony. And it can be up to 500 on average of 
individual bees at a time. That's a lot. Yes. However, on the rare occasion, there have been records of up to 1,000 bees in a colony. That's too many. I, I don't know how they do. That has to have like probably so many queens, and that probably has to be such a large hive in such like a remote area that does not get attacked. It's a lot of bees. It's a lot of bees. That badger like, has not found that hive yet. <laughs> if it does, it's going to be full for a while. Right? Hopefully. I'll come back for seconds. Seriously, that's a large... Maybe that many bees would kill the badger. Probably not. Badgers are almost indestructible. <laughs> we'll have to talk about them, too. They crazy. Uh, So they... They are led by a queen bee, as I'm sure most of you know. Um, but I did not know that much about the queen bee. I was like, oh, they have a queen bee, and she lays all the eggs. And and she's a queen bee. She bosses them around. Her <laughs> job is actually crazy. So she, so they have their queen bee, and they are all cooperative in their assigned jobs so they all have an important role to play to ensure the health and survival of their colony so they all help to gather food build the nest and raise the young so the queen is the founder and the leader of the colony and every spring she seeks out a suitable place to build the hive so she always looks for a place that is safe and close to food and she produces most of or all of the offspring herself. Um, sometimes there will be multiple queens in a colony, and it's kind of species-based. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, like, intaking a lot of air <laughs> talking so much. <laughs> She's got all the burps over there. So I'm just, like, constantly, like, Bleh. I also drank cereal milk right before this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which we both know. Milk makes me burp. Oh, I also just need to breathe more. I, like, don't breathe when I'm talking, you know? Breathing's kind of important. <laughs> it is. Breathing. I'm just going to take a second to breathe for a second. <laughs> oh, I just talk too fast. I get so excited. I need to learn to talk slower. Whenever I'm, like, editing our podcast, it'll be, like, me, and I'm like, Blah, 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 blah. And then it's you, and you're like this really calm and gentle. That's hilarious. And I'm like this loud, obnoxious, quick speaker. That's not how I feel like the podcasts go at all. No? No. When I'm listening to them, that's how it feels all the time. No, I feel like it's the opposite. That's so funny. No. <laughs> You are a very calm and collected, quiet-spoken person. And I feel like I'm just really loud and like, here's all my facts, I'm done. It's because you've got all the buzzwords over there. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I'm being busy like a bee. You busy bee. <sighs> okay. So, communication amongst the bees. What do you know about how they communicate? They go I'm whoop. Curious. They go whoop when they're surprised, yes. Anything else? They buzz. <laughs> when they're flying, yes. That, that's all I know. Okay. So they have a really impressive and complex way of communicating. They have something called the waggle dance and the round dance. And they do it's this so by cute. using their butts. So they communicate by dancing with their butts. <laughs> That's so cute. Which is super fun. Yeah. Um, so they're ba they're able to convey basic information, and they're also able to remember complex patterns. So they use the waggle dance to give directions and distance based on the angle of the sun, or, like, based on, like, where the sun is to, like, where they need to go and, like, the angle. And it tells them, like, how far they need to go and which direction they need to go, which is just crazy. And when I read about it, I still don't fully grasp it. <laughs> So I probably explained it very poorly. But it's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. There's a episode in Phineas and Ferb called B-Day and something. It's in season four. But it's they 
they talk about the waggle dance. They have a whole like little song. It's like the waggle dance, the waggle dance. So you can watch it. And it explains it very simply and well because it's for children. And they waggle. They do. Waggle, waggle, waggle. Because they kind of like waggle their like in a figure eight and stuff. Mm. Um, and then the round dance, they're not 100% sure what the round dance communicates, but they think it's to communicate the quality of the flowers that they have found. So, I don't know exactly, but that is the theory. <laughs> so yeah, they communicate dancing with their booties. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So their lifespan, the average lifespan for a queen bee is two to three years, while the drones, a.k.a. the males, and all the females, a.k.a. the worker bees, all die by fall and winter. So they really only live, like, one to two months on average. Sad. (laughs) They don't live for very long, but the queens will live longer. And the way that this happens is that every winter the queen will hibernate and then in the spring she wakes up and then she'll eat, get some energy, she'll find the new place that she wants her new colony to be and she just gets busy. Um, So she lays eggs and keeps them warm and protects them. Then she also, (laughs) so cool, she fertilizes them individually with the sperm that she saved from being mated with previously before hibernation. What? Uh, and she, yeah, so they'll, in like the, like basically spring to mostly summertime, she'll mate with males and just collect sperm and per, like prepare to hibernate. And then she hibernates and then she wakes up and then she uses that sperm she collected and she fertilizes the eggs. But she chooses which eggs to fertilize based on the needs of the colony. What? Right? So she doesn't just fertilize all of them and call it good. She only chooses which ones to fertilize based on the needs. So if they need more worker bees, she fertilizes those ones. If they, if she wants young queens, she'll make those, you know. And then if she wants drones, a.k.a. the male bees, she just doesn't even fertilize them. She just leaves them and then they will slowly develop on their own and they will be males and then when they hatch they go off and leave the nest and just look to mate and eat food until they die wow they don't contribute to the hive at all other than to produce future babies wow the 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 bees in the hive are all female yeah isn't that crazy that is crazy Okay, so the stages of development is, so the queen will lay her eggs, and then she does, like, sit on them to keep them the right temperatures, and she'll, like, go and find food to be able to feed them when they hatch into larvae. usually takes about two weeks for them to turn into larvae, and then when they're larvae, they go through a few different developmental stages, and then they eventually will make their own little cocoons. They'll spin cocoons, which is known as the pupa stage. And in their cocoon is when they develop into full-fledged, mature adults. And then they hatch out of their cocoon. And then based on what bee it is, so if it's a drone, the male, it'll leave. If it's a young queen, they also usually just leave and go find a male. And then when they get pregnant, they just start eating food and preparing to hibernate. Or if they're worker bees, they just go to work. And they, the worker bees will help feed the young And raise them and keep them warm and take care of them. They help build the nest. They help gather food. All those things. While the queen will make more babies. So she, like, lays and fertilizes more eggs based on the needs. And she just prepares herself for hibernation for the next winter. Like, that coming winter. So, yeah. That's how it works. Wow. She's a busy bee. She is, and she only, so the queen bee will only ever take care of her first batch of eggs and babies, and then once they're adults, she just focuses on eating and getting fat and laying more and fertilizing more eggs while the rest of the worker bees take care of all the rest of the Mm -hmm. babies, but she just keeps on laying them, so. 
That's if pretty the cool. colony ends up Yeah. I think so. So if the colony ends up being successful, they will continue this cycle throughout the summer months until winter or not winter until autumn comes and then the queen will make new queens and males near like the end and then they just kind of prepare for next spring's colonies <laughs> so i don't know if the bees know that they're <laughs> all gonna die that's or so what. sad but yeah they like the entire colony dies except for the queen the queens i guess that's so wild, because every spring I feel like there's so many bees, and you think that they all just live through the winter. No. They're all brand nope. new. Yep. The only ones that are potentially from last year are the queens. And that's if they were... Yeah. So. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting, which is, like, why it's crazy that like, it makes sense that they're at that point, like, kind of endangered or, like, near threatened. But it's also crazy that they're not already so extinct or whatever because they basically all die every year except for the queens who hibernate and then just start the whole cycle over every single year. And they just, that's why the queen bees are actually super BA because they store enough food, they sleep it off until it's warm, and then they just rebuild their whole colony. Every single year. From the scratch. Like, from the ground up. It's crazy. It's impressive. Okay. So, my really random cool facts about bees is, I guess, what do you know about bees? Like, what is something you know about bees? That people are allergic to them? They are allergic to them. And I do have some information on their venom. I was mostly thinking there's this fact going around that people know that bees shouldn't be able to fly because of their weight to wing ratio mm -hmm. but actually that's a common misconception hmm. okay so i was like all like ah, i know this thing you know but nope i was wrong which i was actually kind of excited to learn that i was wrong um so people think that they shouldn't be able to fly but that's because we are wrong with how we think bees wings work um so i thought they like move up and down like a bird but they're actually positioned differently so they move forward and back oh mm -hmm. and they can swivel and sweep and so they fly more similarly to that of a helicopter oh and so when they beat their wings they also produce like these little eddies of air that help them to stay aloft in the air. That's so weird. I'm trying to like it's... do hand motions of like what they would be, but my hands aren't like propellers, so it's not working. <laughs> no. But our hands aren't bee wings. Which I thought was really cool. So like based on what we thought we knew, we're like, oh they shouldn't be able to fly, but then upon further discovery they're like, actually it makes perfect sense why they can fly and they should be able to because of the way that their wings work. So, they can beat their wings 100 to 200 times per second. Those bumblebees got them beats. <laughs> Those beats? <laughs> Which is why we can hear them buzzing, because they're moving their wings so fast. Oh, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So, because they can move their wings and beat their wings so fast, it helps them to do this thing called buzz pollination, which is when they, like, fly near or, like, closer on a flower, and then the pollen basically just is removed from that flower just from the vibration and the speed of their wings. So they don't even have to, like, fully collect it. It just kind of flies off because their wings are beating so fast. That's pretty um, cool. Which is, yeah, and it's super beneficial for spreading pollen and helping pollinate things because of this buzz pollination so if they're like flying really close to flowers and like hitting it while they're flying around and not even like intending to gather pollen they're still causing the pollen to fly around and pollinate which is really important for us also this is super cute so their wings will only function in appropriate temperatures 
bees can't fly if they're too cold, so they will shiver for several minutes to raise their internal temperature so that way they can fly. That's so cute. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> I just imagine this little bumblebee like shivering to mm. like be able to fly. <laughs> That's so adorable. Cute. So, as I said before, they are super important to our natural ecosystem. They're important to transferring pollen between male and female plants. Um, Berries, tomatoes, and squash in particular are highly dependent on bee pollination. And they and other pollinators are responsible for two-thirds of the world's crops. That's crazy. What? I said that's crazy. (laughs) I just saw your mouth move, but I couldn't hear a single thing you said. It's because I whispered it. did we lose it? Ah. Because that's wild. Two-thirds of the world's crops. That's so much. Yeah. Bees are super important to our ecosystem. Without them, we would not have food. They're pretty important. (laughs) Famous ones. Okay. So, what is a famous bumblebee that you know of? The bee in the bee movie. <laughs> yes, but he's a honeybee. Oh. The bee movie is about honeybees, so I couldn't include that in here. What? Yeah. The biggest one I found isn't even a bee. <laughs> what? What is he? It's the transformer bumblebee. <laughs> I should have known That's that one. That's the one that just kept coming up anytime I was like, famous bumblebees. This Transformer. I was like, I don't want the Transformer. I want a real bumblebee. <laughs> um, but I did read some things about like what makes him kind of similar to a bumblebee. Because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He is awesome and he's super important. Um, but amongst that research is when I learned this really cool fact about bumblebee's name. So they follow the entomological entomological? Society of America. (laughs) Basically, so if it sounds, um, if if the sound describes its name, then it's two words. But if it doesn't describe the name, then it's one word. So the best way, like, the example they had is, like, bumblebee is actually two words. um, Because it's bumble space bee. Because they make, like, this bumbling sound, like the buzzing, humming kind of sound. But then you have something called a yellow jacket, which is one word. Because it doesn't actually describe what that insect sounds like yes it does Does that make sense it sounds like a jacket it sounds like a jacket that's yellow (laughs) (laughs) the jacket (laughs) um so but that was one interesting fact about naming animals is like if it make if it's named after the sound or it's like description, then it's two words. But if it's not and it's completely random, then it's one word. That is cool. I don't know how consistent that is, but that is a thing. In entomological <laughs> society of America. I don't know. Anyways, but other famous bees. We said the bee movie, but those are mostly about honeybees. There's also, I guess. A famous bee called Billy the Bee, who's in, like, old stories and comics or something. Um, but I did find a story, a couple of stories. Yeah, so one story I found is a true story that happened recently. It's a study that they did. They were able to attach these tiny radio transmitters to 17 queen bees, so that way they could learn more about pollinators and their support in agriculture. So they kind of followed the flight and like where they went and how they were able to pollinate all these things. That's pretty cool. Yeah. If you look at the pictures, they're like these tiny little bees with these tiny little transmitters. It's super cute and funny looking. They've got their own little collars. 
Pretty much. They're like these little antennas on their backs almost. Cute. Uh, yeah. Um, and then another story is from like a grim fairy tale and it's called The Queen Bee. And the synopsis of it is that there were two sons that went out and then they kind of got lost. And then their father sent the youngest to go find them and his name was Simpleton. And he found them and the two older brothers made fun of him a bunch and then the simpleton prevented his older brothers from, oh, what was it? From hurting these ants and from hurting some ducks and from drowning a beehive. So he prevented the brothers from being mean to these animals and creatures. And then they found their way to this castle and then they ended up getting stuck in the castle and like presented with these challenges. And if they could pass the challenges, then they would be set free. And the two older brothers kept failing all the challenges, but the younger brother, because he basically befriended the ants, the ducks, and the bees, was able to get help. I don't remember how the ants and the duck helped him. Basically, they they helped him by, like, retrieving something and finding, like, this key. Um, And then the bee, the queen bee, helped him because it was pick they told the challenge was to find out which princess was the youngest and there were three identical princesses and they were all sleeping and he had to pick out the youngest one but it was hard because they all looked the exact same and the only clue that they had was that the oldest had eaten sugar the middle one had eaten something else sweet and then the youngest had eaten honey so then the queen bee smelled each of their mouths and scented the honey and pointed out the youngest so then he was able to pass the challenges they were freed from the castle and like this curse was lifted and broken and then he married the youngest princess and then his two older brothers married the other two princesses and they lived happily ever after Hmm. so it's pretty cool the queen bee (laughs) yeah Befriend the bees, and they will reward you. <laughs> Be kind to the bees. Be kind. What was our thing? Be cool. Bees yeah. rule. <laughs> there you go. Um, And then I thought of another story about bees, and it's the little children's story I wrote called Buzzy and Bright. Oh, that's Which is right. about a blind bee. That's so cute. Like, there's that story. I wrote it, which makes it kind of cool. That is cool. And that's available. It's on Amazon. You can also find it uh, on my, I'm trying to think, my link tree on my Instagram by Poppy Morris. Um, Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's called Buzzy and Bright by Poppy Morris. It's about a blind bee. There you go. It's a really cute story. Thanks. I think so. <laughs> um, so those are the stories that I have about bees. And then the last thing, other than my lightning round, is how humans, because we have like a somewhat large effect on them, how we can be better to help them huh. since they are so important. So, so for we those can who wanna know. Be better. For the bees. <laughs> Here are some ways we can help. So we can get native plants for our yard. So things that are native to your area rather than a bunch of exotic plants. Things that are more native to your your area. And then trying to always have something in bloom for them throughout the time that they're around. So like spring, summer, fall. Making sure you always have something in your yard blooming that they can feed on. Uh, and then if you save the queens, you save the colonies. So if you see queen bees, do not kill them. Try not to hurt them. Try to just leave them in peace. So that way they can continue to live and continue to produce their colonies. So that way they can continue to produce more queens. And then for other pollinators, so like butterflies and other in- other insects, if you plant milkweed, it will attract them, and then they're able to collect that and feed on that and also help pollinate further. Um, if you border your fruits and veggies with native flowers, that's helpful and also really helps with 
your crops to be better pollinated as well huh. as helping the bees. That's so it benefits your garden in more ways. Um, and then the biggest thing is to just go easy on chemicals and pesticides because that is what they do think is really kind of affecting them because it could be poisoning them unintentionally. So that's how we can be helpful to the bees. Be friendly. Be kind. Don't be a stinger. What? I said be helpful, be kind, and don't be a stinger. Oh. <laughs> you started to glitch out a little, so I didn't hear it all. Oh. <laughs> okay, and then the last big thing is May 20th is a World Bee Day. It's not even like a national thing. It's a worldwide celebrated holiday slash awareness day, all for bees. And so if you look on the United Nations website, it's on that calendar. That's where I found this information. The United Nations. I think that's so cool that they came together for bees because they all know how important they are. And um, that's for the animal bee, right? Not to be a bee. <laughs> trying to censor myself here. Right? That's for the... It's national. It's World Bee Day, right? For the animal bee, not to be a bee. You know, like a dog. You're saying to like not a- be the B word, like a yeah bad person. Yeah, I'm trying okay. to censor myself. <laughs> Same page. <laughs> not to be a beep. Is that better? Yes, World. B-Day is to raise awareness of um, and to strengthen the measures to protect bees and other pollinators. So. There you go. That's cool. Raise awareness. They're like, they suggest like making sure you do like hashtags about bees and just social media stuff and then also just in general just try to be mindful and raise your own personal awareness of how important pollinators are so that way you can help others around you as well and then for anybody who wants to know when world honeybee day is it is the third saturday in august so it's a bit away Hmm. which maybe we'll save that day to talk about honeybees because they're also cool but they're very different from the bumblebee so a lot of these things aren't the same that's cool it's cool that they have two separate days and that they're on opposite ends of the year. So you can be mindful about the bumblebee and the honeybee at different times of the year. But they're both really important pollinators. Exactly. Precisely. So. um, Alright, and then my lightning round. So... Their venom, because as we know, some people are highly allergic and other people are not. But so their venom is made up of a substance that has a direct effect on blood vessels in the skin, which is why most reactions are pain, swelling, redness, itching. And then, of course, there's the severe allergic reactions, which is just your body's antibodies freaking out and shutting down because allergies are the worst. And then they, so bumblebees are not usually kept for uh, beekeeping, not for honey at least. If they are kept for beekeeping, it is strictly mostly for pollination because they really don't make honey. They sometimes make honey if their nectar sits in their hive for too long. And that's usually what happens over the winter when they're not there to eat it or if they don't survive in general so yeah bumblebees aren't usually kept unless for pollination purposes and then something cool about them is that they can find their way home from at least eight miles away so some scientists picked up a bee drove it eight miles away and let it out and then they were able to track it found its way home so they can find their home eight miles away that Even if they have no bee. idea where they are. What? It's probably like 
Why are you kidnapping me? <laughs> I'm going home. Yeah, seriously. Take me home. Take me home. I want to go home. Um, queens. So just like they will, just like bumblebees will shiver to warm their their themselves up in order to fly. Queens will also shiver to keep themselves warm in order to keep their eggs warm when they're sitting on their eggs because they do sit on their eggs to warm them. And then they can survive similar conditions to flying over Mount Everest. What? Which I think is so crazy. They were able to do this test of um, like their oxygen levels dropping and basically like what it would be like to fly over Mount Everest. They were able to survive it. The only thing that they can't really survive is the cold. But like the wind conditions and the oxygen, they can survive all that. So they can, if it wasn't cold, they could fly over Mount Everest. That's crazy. Right? And then my last two facts is there are bumblebees that look very similar to our common bumblebee, but they're called carpenter bees. So they look very similar, but they're very different because bumblebees are super social while carpenter bees are very antisocial. They're very solitary bees, hmm. which is me. I'm very antisocial. Um, and then cuckoo bees are crazy. So I'm kind That's of... That's why they're called cuckoo bees. I guess I'd probably... Similar to that of a cuckoo bird. Are they cuckoo for honeycomb? Just about. <laughs> they will infiltrate a bumblebee's, like another bumblebee's colony, and they will hide out there for a few days, and then they will eventually kill the queen bee and replace it with its own queen, and then that queen will lay all of its eggs, and then all of the original worker bees will then raise the new eggs. So... The cuckoo bee basically infiltrates, takes over the hive, and then forces all of the other bees to raise their young, and then the cuckoo bees go and take off and repeat. That's terrifying. It is terrifying, and it's really sad, because you're like, no, but the bumblebees are so awesome. But then you also remember that the cuckoo bees are critically endangered, so. so it's obviously not working. But yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I wish I saved that one not for last. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Let me see if I have a happier one. Hey, did you by chance, now that we're talking about cereal, um, did you by chance find out is the honey bee from, is the bee from Honey Nut Cheerios? I'm assuming he's a honey bee. I would Bing? Let's find out. What kind of bee is the Cheerios bee? Assuming he's not a bumblebee. He's not as fluffy as like a bumblebee would be. Ha. As a bumblebee would be. <laughs> well, his name is Buzzbee and his species is... I feel like he would be a honeybee because they do their like honey nut Cheerios and I know there's probably right, flavors right. of Cheerios but I feel like he'd be a honeybee because, yeah, he's not as fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Got any more bumbling facts? I don't. World Bee Day, May 20th. <laughs> Celebrate. Mm-hmm. Get some wild fa- flowers. And just always remember that they communicate with the waggle dance using the butts. Do a little waggle. Do the waggle dance, the waggle dance. Get down tonight. <laughs> Get down tonight. Perfect. Well, cool. thanks for joining us, and thanks for all of your bee puns, Jayla. <laughs> it was great. You're welcome. I Next did. time, I will oh. be prepared. <laughs> you were prepared enough. I enjoyed telling you everything I learned about the bees. They're really cool. Yeah. Thanks for telling me. I wouldn't have never known otherwise. Well, be careful, everyone. (laughs) B 
be happy and be, be kind cool. be kind and protect those bumblebees bye, bye. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please like and subscribe so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. So feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Animal Facts Podcast for updates and other random things. Click the link in the description for our resources, merchandise, and other cool things. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until Until next time, bye! A random fact that has nothing to do with the bees. King Cro- King Cobra's venom is not the most potent among venomous snakes, but the amount of neurotoxin they can deliver in a single bite, which is up to two-tenths of a fluid ounce, is enough to kill 20 people. Or, it's enough to kill an elephant. And it's not the most potent? No. Okay. That doesn't make me less scared of them at all. (laughs) Pretty scary. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) That's your fact. Thank you. You're welcome.